Today, friends, you are in for listening to a man of God. We've been trying to get him to come here for this Sunday for two years now. His name is Henry Allen. He's married to his lovely wife, Ruthie. He'll tell you more about her in a few minutes. But Henry has been called by God to lead the ministry of what we know as Campus Crusade for Christ in the Middle East and North Africa. There he oversees 400 staff working in 22 nations of the world, primarily in unreached or underreached, we sometimes call them closed countries. A year ago, we met in the airport in Beirut, and I knew I was going to like him. Because Henry said, Lon, have you had Lebanese coffee? <laughs> and I'd not. And so we did. And from then on, the energy, the enthusiasm, this, this, this is a brother that your church has aligned with. We're working with him in four different nations of his 22 now. We'll tell you more about that as time goes on. Leader of leaders. And occasionally, he gets excited. So when he looks at you, clap and cheer. He likes that. All right. God be Thank with you, brother. It's our honor you, to have you here today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much. It's great joy to be together here. As uh, you heard from Lan, I was born and raised in Beirut, Lebanon. So Arabic is my native tongue. And uh, my wife, Ruthie, uh, was born and raised in the Philippines. And we both met in Washington, D.C. Both of us were international students. We went together to two different universities. I went to American University. She went to George Washington University. And uh, we've been married for 471 months. <laughs> That's right. We celebrate our wedding every month. Every month on the 3rd is a special day for us. We celebrate. Some of you are already trying to figure out how many years is that. We have a son who's 38 years old, so that will help you a little bit. And in fact, he was here uh, for the first service with his wife and four grandchildren. And what a joy. We spent uh, all day yesterday together playing with the little kids. And uh, after the first service, my grandson, he heard me preach. He came and gave me this. Granddad, you are awesome. Isn't that neat? And uh, it's beautiful. Just watch it if you get grandparents to start talking about their grandchildren. You may get in trouble. A, late, a grandma was on an airplane, you know, uh, seated next to a really nice gentleman. And for the two-hour flight, she kept talking about her grandchildren to this gentleman. After about an hour and a half or almost two hours, she looked, she said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I've been talking the whole time. You didn't say a word. I'm sorry, I should give you a chance to speak before we land. Please tell me, what do you think about my grandchildren? <laughs> so uh, be careful with grandparents. Uh, but what a, what a joy it is to even be here for the Missions Fest and your theme, through us, through us. And of course, it's taken from this 
powerful passage by Paul, the Second Corinthians chapter 5. You could see it on the screen. It's a powerful passage. Why? Because it literally summarizes the entire story of creation, of fall, and salvation. And it even gives uh, the purpose for our lives. Why are we here? Once we are in Christ Jesus, we become a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything is new. There's a new plan for my life in Christ Jesus. You know, I came to the United States. I had one goal in mind. I wanted to get a good degree from a good university, go back to the oil-rich Saudi Arabia and make good money. That was my goal, you know. And as the years passed and I got involved in the ministry, I discovered the greatest joy of leading an Arab student to Christ. That changed my life. I remember at one point, I was very quiet by my bed, kneeling down before Jesus, and I said to him, this gave me the greatest joy that I have ever known, sharing you, being an ambassador for Christ. I remember very quietly, I said, Lord, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Will you accept me? as your servant. That was July 1975. And until today, we have ne I have never ever regretted that decision to willingly take on ambassadorship for Jesus. You know, you may think, well, what does it take to be an ambassador for Jesus? From this passage here, what the whole world was reconciled to God through Jesus. If we do our job, if we go out and tell the world, Jesus did his part by dying on the cross. By dying, he forgave our sins. By resurrecting, he guaranteed our eternal life with him. And now he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That so you and I can go out and be an ambassador for Jesus. What, what would it take? Think about it. Well, the question for being ambassador, it's not what you do. Yes, we know an ambassador would represent his nation to, other, to another nation. But it's not what he does. It's who he is. Who am I on the inside is what will make me an effective ambassador for Jesus. Because people may never read the gospel. Some people in the world will never read Gospel of Matthew or Luke or, or John. But you know what? They will read you and me depending on your behavior, on, on your lifestyle. It's who you are. 
That's what will make you an ambassador. It's who you are on the inside. And what it takes, I really believe, number one, it takes respect. You know, the government will choose someone who is a man or a woman of influence, respected by the society, who is a respectable person, who could represent the United States to China. For a man or a woman to go overseas and be an ambassador must exemplify his nation. A Chinese man will understand everything what's like to be an American from meeting an ambassador. Because the ambassador will exemplify not just foreign policy, but also the culture, the way of life, the values of an American person. That person will exemplify. This, in the same manner, I am as an ambassador for Jesus, I exemplify Christ to the world. I have a nephew who came from Beirut to visit us. We live outside Paris. And uh, my wife and I, we hosted him, uh, especially that his father, who's my younger brother, passed away suddenly in a heart attack. And uh, he came and stayed with us for three or four days. And the amazing thing, on his way out, I was taking him to the airport. He said one thing to me and to my wife. He said this. I want to tell you before I leave one thing, that the Christianity I saw in this house is something I have never seen anywhere else. I didn't know really what he meant. The Christianity I saw here is different than anything else I have seen anywhere else. So on the way to the airport, we were chatting together. And eventually, before we got to the airport, we parked on the side of the road, and he prayed and received Christ as his Lord and Savior. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, that's what it means to be an ambassador. I'm going to tell you about two sisters. Two sisters came from a very wealthy family, from a very strong Islamic nation, completely closed for the gospel. And they came to the United States. They came to, as international students to study petroleum engineering. Not a surprise coming from the Middle East with lots of oil there. They came to study petroleum engineering. And the amazing thing is that an American family just loved these two sisters. They made them feel so at home. And before you know it, these two sisters put their faith in Jesus Christ. And throughout their years of study, they have grown in their relationship with Jesus to the point after graduation, they dedicated their lives to be ambassadors for Jesus back in their own home country. And it's been over 35 years, these two sisters walking with Jesus, 
and telling people about Christ. They faced a lot of persecution, but throughout the years, they demanded so much respect. I was with them just a couple months ago, and I told them, you go from village to village, and they walk most of the time. It's amazing. They lead an amazing life. If you meet them, don't bother inviting them for lunch. They, they will do to you what they did to me. I felt like I was a pig sitting there eating. They were not eating. I said, what happened? I was fasting. They fast most of their meals. They, they, don't, they never eat more than one meal a day. And many days they go fasting, complete days. And I said, aren't you afraid walking from village to village? It's all Muslim villages here. They said, no. First of all, with white hair, that's right, they are white-haired now. They, we demand a lot of respect. In the Middle East, white-haired people, you know, they demand respect because they figure out, you know, you have gained a lot of years and you must have gained much wisdom, you know. So they respect white-haired people. But they said that's not it. Every village we go, we have many disciples for Jesus, secret believers all over the area. And when we go from village to village, we go into the homes of our disciples. And most of the times, they have invited friends who are not yet believers. And we end up having discipleship and evangelism. I disciple those who prayed to receive Christ, and we share Christ with those invited to come and hear the good news. They are so effective in their ministry. It's amazing. What else does it take? You know, it takes a lot of courage. It takes courage to represent Christ, especially in hostile area. It takes courage. It's not always safe and easy. I tell, we, Ruthie and I, we were meeting with day before yesterday with a friend, and she said, I want to tell you honestly, I worry so much about you. I keep hearing you were in Iraq, you were in Syria, you were in Jordan, you were in Egypt. You know, I worry about you. I said, sister, please don't worry. Let me tell you, the safest place for any person to be in this whole world is in the center of God's will. One inch away from the will of God, you could be in danger. But the safest place is in the center of God's will. Now, we don't put God to test. We don't just jump on the airplane and go from place to place, you know, uh, without planning, without praying, without consulting. In fact, Ruthie and I, we always discuss every trip we need to make, whether she goes with me or she doesn't. We discuss it together. And we pray together. And we make sure God is calling us to go there. And when you know God is calling you, it takes courage to get on the plane and go inside Iraq or inside Syria. You know, it consider, just consider Samah, unbelievable hero of our days. You know, for 20 years, he and his wife going in and out of Syria. They have hundreds of disciples, you know, all over the country. And I, I was telling him the other day, I said, um, are you okay going there? Because 
the, it looks like the groups are focusing on Damascus and there's a lot of fighting. He said, yes. He pulled out a bullet this long, a bullet. He said, I, it missed my head by a few inches. A sniper tried to kill him. He said, I believe God is wanting me to go and I need to go. Couple weeks ago, a bomb, while he was inside the church, 400 people were present there. A bomb fell right next door to the church and many people killed the neighbors there. You know, he told me, uh, this is the story that really gets me. 13-year-old Peter comes from a Christian background family, but they don't know Jesus. Peter came to the children's program, and he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. In a few weeks, he brought his mother, and then he brought his sister. And almost the whole family, yet except the father, have become believers in Jesus. And they all started coming to the meeting. But one stray bullet hit Peter right on the head and killed him in the street, in the middle of the street. His mother devastated. Unbelievable. You know, I, I, I sat with a mother and three daughters, all of them wearing black. And they were just brokenhearted. And I asked him, what's wrong? What happened? He said, the father was kidnapped. And they tried to convince him not to work with the rebel groups against the government. But he insisted. They brought him back in five pieces and dumped him in the living room in front of the mother and the daughters. And they left. And they said, let all the neighbors know that's what will happen to anyone working with the rebels. How will these daughters recover? Only the grace of God. Only an ambassador like Samah and his wife ministering grace and love to this family. They all put their faith in Jesus now. It's amazing. You know, I know you hear all the bad things about ISIS. You know, Islamic State. And personally, I know God is allowing it somehow, someway in his sovereignty. Because of his love for the people. That's why Paul said we are constrained. We are controlled. We are compelled by the love of God in this passage. You know, and I tell you this honestly. More Muslims coming to know Jesus today because of the Islamic State than ever before. Samah reported to me that in this past year, he alone was baptized 100 Muslim converts to Jesus in one year. Now, wouldn't you clap for that one too? 100. An amazing thing, three Three of these, by the way, you have Pastor Lon's permission to clap in this church. You don't have to worry about it. He said, yes, you can clap. But let me tell you this. Of the 100, three of them are actually imam, imams of three prominent mosques. And the reason they came to know Jesus, hallelujah, 
The reason they came to know Jesus as Lord, because they saw Jesus in a vision. Amazing. Jesus appearing in, in record numbers to Muslims these days than ever before. I was in Iraq just a couple months ago, and I was talking with our staff, you know, emphasize discipleship and not just evangelism. You need to train. Jesus said, go and make disciples. You reconcile, you help reconcile someone to God through Jesus, and then you need to follow up and disciple that person. And I was telling them this, and after I left, within a few days, someone came knocking at the door of our staff there, and they said, I came from the north, from the Kurdish area, because I know you and this group, our group, Campus Crusade, were known as Life Agape in the Middle East. They said, Life Agape emphasized discipleship. And I came to tell you that there are 10 people up in the north in this town. They were having an evening together, and they were talking about the situation in Iraq, and Jesus appeared to them in their midst. He spent the whole night with them and talk to them about salvation. And he said, you need to become my disciples. We came to you to help us train these people. So just 10 days ago, I was with our staff. I said, tell me, how is this group going? He said, it's the greatest experience of my life, discipling 10 people who came to know Jesus through Christ himself. It's the greatest joy. They love Jesus. They love him. It's amazing. You know, it takes, it takes integrity to be an ambassador for Jesus. Let me tell you about Farida. Consider this lady in a Muslim country that she has taken upon herself that she wants to defend abused women and girls in the society. And she works with people, with women inside the prison. You can imagine one lady was raped by one of her relatives. But because of the Islamic law, she ends up in prison. And the guy who raped her is scot free outside. She says, I want to stand beside these women. And she is so known. Even the government, several times from the Ministry of Social Affairs, calls her and says, can you please help with this woman? Can you please help with that? There are some people inside the government that are so excited about her ministry. They defend her because several fathers wanted to kill her. And in fact, I've told her, I said, Farida, I'm, I'm really concerned about your life. She said, Henry, I must stand by these women. I must stand by this girl. A lawyer, a woman who's a lawyer, who had a child through rape. And by law, she should be in prison because she shouldn't have a child outside the marriage. So our Farida sneaked her out through the borders into another neighboring country. And this lady today, has an amazing ministry with abused women herself because she's a lawyer and she knows the law and she knows how to defend 
the abused women. She herself was abused. It was Farida that stood by her side and helped her out. And now she is helping others. It's amazing, amazing ministry. You know, it takes perseverance. It's not easy. You know, consider Jamil in a Muslim country who, is, who was an, an imam himself in a mosque. And I know him personally. In fact, Pastor Lan met him too in Beirut. He's not Lebanese, he's from another country. He was preparing his message to preach the next day in the mosque. And Jesus stood right by his side and told him, I am coming soon. You need to read and study my Bible. Study the word of God. This Jamil has endured so much. It's been 20 years since he's had this vision of Jesus. Not vision, actually. He says, I, I saw him personally, face to face. And at one point, I was sitting with him. He told me about 17 people in his Bible study. Every single one of them is a Muslim convert. Every single one of them had either a dream or a vision of Jesus. We had a wonderful evening, and towards the end, he got up, he put his arm around my shoulder, and he said, Henry, tell me, have you ever seen Jesus in a vision or a dream? I said, me? He said, yeah. I said, no, never. He said, oh, how blessed you are. I said, I said, no, I did not. He said, yes, I understand. We have no excuse. We have seen Jesus face to face. And we know he is our savior. But you have never seen him. Yet you love him and you serve him all these years. Pray for him. Pray for him. He's an incredible man. You know, here's what it takes to be ambassador. It's not always easy to represent your country or represent Christ in a different country. It takes creativity. It takes ways, finding ways how to exemplify your country to the people. How do you exemplify Christ to closed nations? You know, we are ministering in North Africa, the Middle East, and the Gulf region. And all these countries considered by all missions, you know, that they are closed nations. Well, not for us. Let me tell you this. A nation is closed depending on how you look at it and from which angle you look at it. Think when you walk downtown Chicago and you see these skyscrapers. They are so high, so tall. But if you were to fly over Chicago, you will see all the skyscrapers like this, right? That's how it is with us. We look at all these nations through the Lord's point of view, the Lord's perspective on all these nations. And all of a sudden, they are wide open for us. And that's why it takes creativity. It's just, okay, Lord, how do you want us to do it? One way is I cannot go distribute Bibles in Saudi Arabia. In fact, I 
did it in one of the North African nation where my wife and I, our little two kids, were living at that time. And I remember we were able to distribute that one year, 20 pieces of literature, Bibles and Jesus film copies. And it was 20 pieces too many for the government. We got expelled out of the country. They gave us 24 hours to get out. Then we discover there are three million North African Muslims that cross the Mediterranean every summer from North Africa to Southern Europe and from Southern Europe to North Africa. So God gave us the idea to be right there at the port on European soil where there's freedom to give out the Bibles. And we, every summer, have teams in all the ports from Italy all the way to western, uh, southern Spain, southwestern Spain. In every port, we have a team of people distributing Bibles and sharing their faith. In the last 22 years since we discovered this, you know, we have been able to distribute, ready for this, 11 and a half million copies of the Bibles and the Jesus film. So you can compare this with the 20 pieces that I, dis I was able to distribute inside North Africa. You know, Satan is regretting so much getting us kicked out of that one. He's pulling his hair. You know, there's no more hair on his head because he said, I wish I kept this guy locked in inside North Africa. It was easier, 20 pieces per year. And now he distributes millions outside there. In North, Africa, North Europe, all these wealthy Saudi Arabians and Kuwaitis and Emiratis from the Gulf area, they run to, to North Europe during the heat of the summer. You know, it can get in, in the desert of Saudi, it can get up to 120 degrees Fahrenheit, summertime, just like Arizona, you know, the desert in Arizona uh, or Utah. It gets very, very hot. So people run away summer for a vacation, and they go to a hotel in Geneva. If they like it, they buy it. You know, they are so wealthy. Uh, I met a Saudi Arabian couple, you know, I, he told me they went to Switzerland, and uh, they rented a villa for the summer, a beautiful, like, a, like a, a palace, you know, a big, big place. He said, we liked it so much, we bought it. So now we go even during the winter. We learn to do ski. We learn ski. And so we go wintertime and ski. You can imagine Saudi Arabian skiing, you know, in Switzerland, up there, on the Alps. Yeah, and that's what happens. So we go meet them every summer. This past summer alone, 35,000 copies of the Bibles and Jesus film cassettes were distributed to all these Muslims. We had, in fact, one miracle happen right in the streets of one European capital. A Saudi Arabian man came to this country to operate on his ears for a big operation. He had a serious problem in his ears. And he was due to have an operation on Wednesday. On Monday, somebody met him in the street and gave him a copy of the Bible and started talking to him about Jesus. The man responded, and he was talking, and he said, uh, why are you here for vacation? He said, no, actually, I'm not on vacation. I'm here for a medical reason. I'm having operation on Wednesday. This young man said, can I pray for you, sir? 
He said, pray. What do you mean pray? He said, like, I'd like to ask Jesus to heal you. You can do that? He said, yeah. Jesus said, you haven't asked anything. Ask. It shall be given. You shall be given. He said, okay. So this young man put his hands on his ears, and he started praying. And by the time he finished, this man said, you know, while you were praying, I felt something happen in my ears. I'm going to go to the hospital. So he went straight to the hospital. He told the doctors, that was Monday afternoon, can you please check me again before the operation? They said, look, you're checked. You're all ready, all set for the operation Wednesday morning. He said, no, no, no. I'll pay for it. Check me again. They checked him again, and he was completely healed. He came back to the people. He said, where is that young man? His name is Jamal. Where is Jamal? I want to see Jamal. You know, so they, they led him to Jamal. Yeah, Jamal, I need to tell you. I just came back from the hospital. I'm healed. Tell me more about your Jesus. What shall I do? And he led him to Christ right there. After he experienced healing. You know, we use... We, we use the, the social media, very powerfully and extensively. It's unbelievable what on, having on websites in, in Arabic, in Kurdish, in Berber, these websites that represent the people groups in North Africa, the Middle East, through one website alone. It's called Ma'rifat Allah, knowing Allah, knowing God personally. You know, there were, last year alone, 65,000 people came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Arab people from all over the world, from more than 200 nations around the world. You know, they consult the internet. They are on social media. It's um, unbelievable what now God is helping us do through the social media. They use the social media. The Islamic State is known right now, according to the statistics from BBC, that every three recruiters by the Islamic State, one of them is a, uh, is a technologist, is an internet specialist. One out of three, compared to one out of 1,500 amongst the missionaries around the world. So they are very smart in using the social media. But God is bringing it to our attention and able to reach literally millions. There was that one site alone every single day, more than 500 Arabs coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior through the Internet. I'll tell you about one Saudi Arabian woman that looked at the Internet she learned everything about Jesus, and she started corresponding with our team. From a very, they consider that city a holy city for them. And she's from the heart of that city. And she wrote, she said, I'd like to come and visit you. She was corresponding with people in Jordan. So she came. She came to visit the center there. She brought one of her sons with her. So Fatima walks in, completely covered with black. The moment she walks in, she took off the veil, and she said, I am your sister in Christ, Fatima. And she spent about a week with our team there. 
And she told them she has already led many neighbors to Christ. And inside her home, they, she has a Bible study in the center of that holiest city for Islam. Led by one of their converts. All this can be done through the media. It's incredible what media can do today. In fact, we have just started church online. All these Arabs coming to know the Lord through the media. Where would they go to church? There's no church. So we started directing them to the church online. Last Friday, there were 15,000 Arabs in the church online, worshiping Jesus as Lord and Savior. Isn't that amazing? I really believe it's going to become one of the largest churches in the world. There's no limit to what you can do. Creativity is extremely important, you know, as an ambassador for Jesus. You know, consider the Jesus film that we did actually a facelift to it, and we, we made it start with the creation. We added to it that starts with the creation, and it focuses on Abraham and how God redeemed his son with the lamb. This is how God is redeeming the world through the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. So now it's more fruitful for the Muslim audience to watch the Jesus film because they understand why Jesus came. And we made even another one, you know, Magdalena, which starts uh, as a testimony. Magdalena is telling her story, how she was healed from all the evil spirits that she was indwelt with, and God liberated her you know, from the spirits, and she became a follower of Jesus. The Gospel of Luke says Magdalena followed Jesus everywhere he went. In fact, she was the first missionary that God, Jesus, has sent. Right at his resurrection, he said, Mary, go and tell my, my disciples, my brothers, my friends to meet me there. He gave her a mission. He entrusted her with a mission. The very first person that God sent after Jesus' resurrection was Mary the Magdalene. And that's why the film is becoming really an all-time favorite. If you haven't seen it, please see it. In fact, we have it at the table outside. There are many tables outside by different organizations. Our table is right there on my left. You know, Bob and Jeanette Schroer, members of this church who are our staff, Please go to the stand and get copies. In fact, you could see the film Magdalena there if you want a copy of it, you know. And, and, uh, and about five years ago, we did a film named Damascus, which was for the first time ever a film on the conversion of Saul, you know, in Damascus that was filmed on location all throughout the places where it actually took place. First time in the history, Damascus. He entered it as a terrorist. He left it as an apostle. That's the film we did. We say, why did you call him a terrorist? Well, the Bible says he terrorized the Christians of Damascus. So really, he qualifies to be called a terrorist. However, think about the tremendous change that took place in Saul's life on the road to Damascus. That's why today we're saying in, the, in our missions fest here, you know, through us. What has God done through Paul? 
after his conversion. That's why he wrote to the Corinthians, says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. The old things has gone, has passed away. Behold the new things, new life, a new plan. Through us, God is going to do great things. Through you, through me. You know, Jesus had two kinds of disciples following him. You know, he had those full-timers like myself, like Pastor Lon, Pastor Bill. You know, the, those are full-timers, the 12 disciples. He called them to be with him. But do you know what? He also had another group of disciples. Remember the 72? He sent them two by two to go out to the villages. Who are these disciples? Luke is one of them, Dr. Luke. He called him to write the Gospel of Luke. He was not one of the 12. Mark was not one of the 12. He was a businessman like you. You know, he had this group. Why? Because through us, God is going to accomplish the Great Commission. Through all of us. Okay? I'd like to invite you to stand up to close in prayer right now. And as we pray, <clears throat> have you come to understand, to really realize, yes, I am ambassador for Jesus. I am exemplifying Christ in my neighborhood, in my job, on campus, in the school where I study or where I teach. I am the ambassador right there. Please do not expect anyone else to go and witness to your neighbors. God is calling you to do that. You are ambassador where you go. And I'd like you to consider that today in a personal way. Lord Jesus, what an awesome, awesome privilege. Saved by you, empowered by your spirit, sent to be ambassador for Jesus calling on the world to be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. We stand in awe before your presence. I pray that each one of us, each one of us would take this calling personally, and accept the privilege to be ambassador for Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise you, we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.